Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. I'm going to read today from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So before I begin, I'd like to just briefly introduce this letter. It was probably written very shortly after what we know now as 1 Corinthians. This letter continues some of the same thoughts that were addressed in 1 Corinthians. It's addressing a young, immature church and trying to call them to a greater place of maturity and a greater place of unity. Paul speaks lovingly, but as a loving father, bringing correction and direction to the young church. As he writes to them, he speaks more about himself in this letter than perhaps any of his other writings. So pay close attention to his associates, pay close attention to what he has to say about himself and his own history as we go through the letter of 2 Corinthians. Now reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church in Corinth, together with all of his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, especially in our relations with you, with integrity and with godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that, as you have understood us in part, you will come to fully understand that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner 
so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. Paul addresses this letter initially, referring to his apostolic calling. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So in his first sentence, he declares himself and his calling to be an apostle, having been appointed by the Messiah, Jesus, and by the will of God the Father. So Jesus is mentioned, God the Father. And then he endorses Timothy. He says, Timothy, our brother, is also writing to the church that is in Corinth. So Paul and Timothy, his frequent traveling companion, are now writing from somewhere probably in Europe, uh, perhaps from Macedonia, um, writing this letter to the, the young church just a few months after his previous letter in 1 Corinthians. He says, To the church of God in Corinth, together with all of his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So in those first two sentences, he mentions Jesus uh, twice. He mentions God the Father twice. Actually, he mentions God the Father uh, three times because he says the church of God. So God the Father is mentioned three times. Paul is very Christ-centric. He's not writing on his own authority. He's writing in the authority of one who is sent by Jesus the Messiah and his Father, our God in heaven. In verse 3, praise be to to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I want to just pause there for a minute. He's referring to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, but especially God the Father here, as the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now, the Father of compassion, God in heaven originated compassion. He originated, he originated the idea of bringing comfort. He originated all of the, uh, the virtuous things that we human beings desire to see in others. Those virtues are aspects of the nature of God. So he is the most compassionate. When he revealed himself to Moses, he revealed himself as being full of compassion and showing mercy. And Paul recognizes that attribute of God the Father, part of his nature. The Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, he calls him. He goes on to say, this God who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And so what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that as Christians, as we identify with the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, his Father and our Father in heaven brings comfort 
due to the the trials and tribulations and sufferings of this life and uh, the normal human experiences of this life, such as the death of a loved one, uh, the breaking of relationships through no fault of our own, those things that hurt us and uh, disappoint us and, and leave us in a place of needing comfort. God in heaven is able to bring comfort to us, as is the Lord Jesus Christ, through the person and work of the Holy Spirit living in us and working with us. And so just pausing for a moment, I'm certain that some people listening to this today are bereaved. They're still suffering the loss of a loved one, or perhaps the loss of um, a treasured friend, perhaps the, the loss of a father or a mother or a child or a near relative. You know what you're suffering, friends. I just appeal to the God of all comfort to bring comfort to those of you today who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray that your comfort would abound in the hearts of the listeners, those in need of comfort. And Lord, those that are not in need of comfort, may they bring comfort to others as you have brought comfort to us in season. Lord, make us comforters, abounding with comfort through Christ Jesus and your Holy Spirit. Amen. And Paul continues in verse 12, speaking of his integrity. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially with our relationships with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We've done so not on worldly wisdom, but on God's wisdom. Now, this idea of integrity and sincerity. Paul lived his life with the concept of he was um, everything he was saying and doing was before an all-seeing God. And so he was filled with integrity and sincerity because in reality, he knew that someone was always watching. God was always watching. The same should be said of you and I. Our integrity, someone has, has defined integrity as doing the right thing when no one's looking. But as Christians, we know that someone is always looking. God in heaven and God with us is looking. So we should behave with godly integrity and godly sincerity as Paul did. Paul speaks of Jesus a lot in this first chapter. In verse 19, he says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen has been spoken by us to the glory of God. And this amen is so be it. So be it according to the word of God. So be it according to the word of God made flesh, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In him are all the promises of God fulfilled. And in him we find our life and our being. He speaks of the Holy Spirit as he moves forward, still speaking of Jesus, but also his spirit. Verse 21, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And so we have received a down payment on eternity, friends. Those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have received his Holy Spirit in your heart as a deposit guaranteeing that you belong to to the Father in heaven. As he said, he put his seal of ownership on you. The seal of a king in ancient times in the first century was applied by a signet ring, and it meant that the king owned whatever was sealed with his seal, and nobody was to touch it or mistreat it. The same is said of you and I in the light of eternity by God's seal being on us. Lord, I thank you that you have sealed our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I thank you, Lord, that you've bought us and paid for us with your precious blood. I thank you, Father, that you are comforting us 
those of us who need comfort, Lord, you are empowering us to comfort others. Continue to bring a revelation of your spirit as a down payment on eternity. In all the days of our flesh, may we draw closer to you day by day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.